Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. I have the honor of sharing the Word tonight, and I am very excited. It feels like my heart is burning a little bit. Um, the agreement between Henny and um, Stefan and myself that I, was that I would preach once a month with a church plant. Um, but God has, he does things differently. And, and often I, I'm un, I'll talk to Stefan about a topic. And I'll be like, what are you preaching on? And then he'll say, he's, you know, he's preaching on this. I'm like, but God isn't, you know, it's, it's not really something he's doing in your life in a huge manner. You know, I can see areas of it. And he's like, but I see it's a need or I, I feel like that's what God's saying. And I'm just like, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> You know, I'm like, I need to go through the message myself, you know. Um, I need to, it feels like I need to share what, what I have gone through. And, and that's just exciting for me because um, I just want to pray before we start. Um, yeah, and then we'll carry on. Yeah, so Father, I just, I just thank you, God, that your word is sharper and... Um, Sharper than a two-edged sword, Lord, that it cuts, Father. God, I thank you that um, you have already been working. Holy Spirit, you have already been pre- preparing hearts for tonight for this message, God. And I, I thank you that as the word gets spoken, Lord, the, the Logos and the Rhema word, Father, that, Lord, that you would bring to life, Lord, um, that which seems lost or that which seems dead, Father, that you would restore hope, God, that you would um, just remind us, Lord, of your goodness and who you are. And um, we just say, Holy Spirit, that, yeah, that we give you our yes. Um, We just want to go where you go, Jesus. We want to follow you. Um, We want to be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name. So, um, Stefan and I have been quite challenged lately on what our yes looks like. Um, I think uh, actually in two weeks' time, on Caleb's birthday, the 23rd of June, I will be celebrating 15 years of being saved, Um, which I was like, 15, that's quite a lot. I remember when I was a student and someone was up there and going, I've been saved for 15 years. It was like, you're old, you know, that was really my response, and I was 20 at the time. Um, And yeah, and and it's so exciting, but I, I remember when I was a student and I would be in these services and I'd just been saved and I was just like, yes, wherever, Jesus, whatever, however. Do you, rem- do you remember that? Do you remember those like radical yeses that you gave Jesus? <laughs> it's quite different now when I've got two sons that are dependent on me. I have a nice house that my father-in-law blessed us with in Parkhurst, and what does my yes look like? What, is, what, did that, what does that yes require of me? And, and ultimately, where have I allowed reality or fears or whatever to taint my yes? Um, so often we look on Instagram or we look um, in magazines or Facebook or whatever, and there's that quote, that's semi-true, but not quite true. Um, you are the creator of your own destiny. You are the master of your future, that type of thing. Um, yes, 
we have been given our own free will. God does give us the free choice. Um, he gives us a choice, which is great, and I think that's just his heart for us. Otherwise, you know, it wouldn't be a love response when we said yes. And, um, but I just want to look at what does the word say um, about our future. In um, Matthew 16, Jesus says to the disciples, come after me. He must deny him, uh, sorry, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? It's quite different. (laughs) Um, It's quite different to what the world tells us about our future. Um, If following Jesus and Ultimately, when we say yes to Jesus, we, we're not just saying, yes, I made it into heaven, you know. Yes, I've just crossed the line. We're saying yes to being a disciple. We're saying yes to so much more. Um, and, you know, it's much easier said than done saying yes to, I will deny myself. <laughs> you know, I will follow Jesus. I will deny everything and I will follow you. It's much easier said than done. But we are so thankful that the grace of God meets us at where we are at with our yes. Um, And I just want to, you know, I just want to look at what the definition of a disciple is. A disciple is someone that is a follower or a student of a teacher, a leader, or a philosopher. And so a follower means that someone else determines the direction. Okay, so when I'm following you, it means that I follow your footsteps. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what the ultimate destination is. As well as, I don't get to determine the pace. Because if I'm following you, you're walking. I'm just following your pace. That's a bit challenging for me. I don't know about you. (laughs) Um, A student is someone that's growing, There's always an opportunity to grow. There's an opportunity to grow spiritually, emotionally, intellectually. Um, Growing in your tact, growing in your healing, your deliverance, communication, um, and hopefully just not physically too much in your growing, okay? Not bad, but... um, And so what I want to do tonight is I want to take us on a journey of looking at Simon Peter's yes, (laughs) Um, and, and what was that journey? Because I think we don't really want to associate with Simon because of the big thing, the big, big D word, denying Jesus. But in a way, we do want to associate with Simon Peter because in Acts, he was the one that would walk past. And people were like, if I could just be in his shadow, I would be healed. <laughs> you know, at the gate, beautiful, he, he says, gold and silver I do not have, but Um, What I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk. And this man that was lame for so long just stands up and walk. walk. So tonight, let's associate ourselves with with Simon (laughs) um, just to get the the most out of his journey of of saying yes. So let's start with, um, we're going to look at three passages of Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up. Otherwise, I do have the Scriptures with us um, on the slides. I don't know why I'm so nervous been preaching for so long, but I'm so nervous. Anyway, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Um, Luke 5, 1 to 11. um, So it was, as the multitudes 
pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And then he, he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. So I can just see Simon, it's something they're doing every day. It's fishing. It's their norm. I'm sure Simon's daydreaming of one day when I have this big catch, I can sell it. I can, you know, buy a good house. I can retire. Life is good. You know, they're just carrying on with life. Um, And then Jesus comes and he says, um, you know, first of all, he's like, can I, I don't even know if he asks Simon, but he's like, I'm getting into your boat, okay? And um, I'm sure Simon's, Simon has seen Jesus and seeing who he is, but they must be a little bit like, what are you doing, okay? Who are you? Why are you getting into my boat? So he, the first yes is like, it's, quite a, it's a polite one. Okay, you can use my boat. It's something that Simon could do. He's like, okay, it's my boat. You can get into my boat. Um, that's good. And then we go on. It says, when he had stopped speaking, um, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Just going back to the previous scripture, Jesus comes when they're washing their nets. Okay, sometimes, don't you feel like God's a little bit inefficient sometimes? Sometimes he comes and you're like, could you have not come when we had our nets out in the water already? Okay, Um, Jesus also says to him, put your nets out into the deep. Now, what I've known from fishing is that you don't catch fish in the deep. You catch them in the shallow water. I've also heard that you don't catch fish during the day when Jesus came. You catch them at night. So, in the Bible, they were, they were fishing at night. It says in the morning, Jesus came. So Jesus is setting up this scenario for Simon to realize that the circumstances don't look right for a good catch. You're seeing sometimes how God sets up situations in your life so that you realize that it's simply going to be because of his word that something's going to happen. So there's a, there's a place where God is removing things that we rely on. We rely on it being at night. We rely on it being in the shallow water. The things that we think are going to bring that open door, God is closing. <laughs> okay? Because he wants to show us that he is going to be the only one. He's going to be the only option. Um, Peter's response is, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. There's a little bit of doubt in his voice. There's a bit of disappointment. I've tried that. God, I've been there. I've tried. We've been working. Nothing has happened. Does that also sound familiar? Sometimes you're like, God, I've tried that prayer. Nothing happened. It's been, we've tried it a few times and nothing has happened. The funny thing is that he's saying, because of your word, I will do it. Simon In the previous chapter, Jesus steps into Simon's world and heals his mother-in-law from a high fever. So there's been this personal encounter of Jesus stepping into something very personal into Simon's life, showing him the healing, and Simon's going, where your word is, there is life. (laughs) 
where your word is, there is a response. And so because of your word, I'm going to do this. Even though I don't think it's really going to happen because I've never seen you fish, Jesus. I'm, I'm not quite sure of your history and your past track record with fishing. Um, but let's, let's go there. Okay, so he's indirectly saying, I'm going to try one more time. You feel like sometimes you're like, God, I'm going to give you one last chance in this area um, because actually my heart's quite hardened because I haven't seen it come to pass just yet. Um, so the second yes is a little bit inconvenient for Simon. <laughs> you're asking me to do something um, that I'm not quite sure is going to work, but it's still sort of in Simon's control. He can, he can put out the nets. It's something that he is able to do. And then we go on to the next verse, 6 to 11. It says, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Um, In the message it says, Their nets were straining past capacity. When God pours out his blessing and he pours out abundance into your life, it is often beyond your capacity. It's you saying yes to something more than you are able to handle. Okay, and often what we want to we want to see God pour out abundance so that I can work less, so that I can sit back and chill and just see the blessing come. But often the abundance and the open doors and the favor and the opportunities it's going to require more work of you. It's going to require more faith. It's going to require that you step out and go, God, I'm not able to handle this right now. But thank you that you are. I love how it says so. They signal to their partners, community. It's not, this is my little boat. You know, the blessing is in this boat. Sorry for you over there. He's going, my boat is sinking. Can you come help me? Take some fish. You guys can also be blessed. And so often we want to compare. We want to go, oh, the blessing's pouring out there. It takes humility in my heart to go, Elizabeth, I'm coming. I'm seeing the blessing. Can you pray for me? Can I have a bit of what, you ha- what you've got, you know? Or someone's flourishing in their business and you realizing, I need to go to them because they have got something that God is pouring out on them and I want them to pray and impart something into my life. Peter's not like, I won the jackpot, I'm retiring. I want to say stuff you all, you know. <laughs> Sorry about all of you. You've got to carry on working hard. No, there's a community, there's a place where we say yes, and the yes is not just for one person, because what was happening was Jesus was showing them this massive miracle, and who was with, it was the other disciples were with Peter in the boat. They were also responding to this miracle in their life, in Peter's life. They were also saying yes because of the blessing that was pouring out. And so there's just, there's just this disarming of competition when Simon goes, come and help me, come come, let's partner together and let's see what the blessing is and and, and the thing that God is pouring out, this miracle that he's showing us. I loved how, um, some of you may know the story, but Ruan, um, his brother-in-law had a stroke, a young man, um, and immediately he responds by sending a, putting a message on our WhatsApp prayer group to say, guys, help me. My brother-in-law, we need prayer. he, He makes himself vulnerable. He invites others into his space. And when the next day his brother-in-law gets discharged from the hospital with no impact, everyone gets to share in the faith booster, 
everyone gets to share in, wow, look what God is able to do. And so we mustn't dis, dis sort of engage in the struggles or just disengage in the abundance or the provision or the lack that we have because others need to share in the, the miracle. Others need to, to come. And so often we go, I don't want to burden others. That was the big thing that Stefan, in the first year of our marriage, he had to go, Lauren, you're not a burden, okay? <laughs> I need you to start sharing things earlier with me. I used to go, oh, by the way, I went through this. And, but this is the victory, you know? This is what Jesus has done. And he's like, no, 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 you need to start. But it was just this idea that I was a burden if I had to share the things in my heart. Okay, and so when you're saying yes, you're saying yes to partnership. Then Simon says, um, he sees this miracle and he says, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. There's a tender heart. <laughs> there's a acknowledgement of, there's a, a, a willingness to repent, okay? There's a willingness to go, Father, forgive me for my little bit of faith that I had. For, forgive me that I didn't believe that you were able, okay? And so w- with our journey with God and in discipleship, repentance is such a key in following Jesus, in learning to grow, okay? Um, so Simon changes from this, we've tried this, <laughs> to forgive me, Lord, <laughs> And lastly, um, he says, for he, verse 9 and 11 says, for he and all who were with him were astonished and the, at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. They had a career change. Okay, there's this astonishment when God is working in your life, when he comes in and you're seeing the miracles and you're hearing him and you're seeing what he's doing. People, it, it, it impacts the people around you. It impacts your life that you realize, I can't just carry on with what I'm busy with. Something has to change. When Jesus steps into your boat and you see this miracle, you see the power of God, you realize, I can't just carry on with what I'm busy with. <laughs> okay, there's a place where... You, you almost go, it's much bigger, but I'm saying yes. And Jesus comes and he says, do not be afraid, Simon. He recognizes Simon, this great, strong person that's quite confident. He goes, I see that fear. And so often the call of God following Jesus is scary, <laughs> Because you don't, sometimes you don't always have all the answers. Sometimes your yes doesn't have an A, B, C, or D. <laughs> but when we trust him, we don't need to understand. We don't need to know all the answers. And Jesus knows that. He knows that there's a, a tendency towards fear. And Jesus doesn't, he speaks to that thing in, in Simon's heart. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. And then he says, the thing that you do and have always been doing with fishing, you will just do with men. The principles apply. So God often gives us opportunities and things in our life that we're like, why am I doing this? What is the point of me doing this in my life right now? And he's teaching you principles that right now don't quite seem applicable or kingdom-focused or whatever, but those principles are going to catch fish, those, I mean, catch men. Those principles are going to extend the kingdom. And so embrace the learning process that he's putting you through at the moment. 
Okay. It's okay to not know what the yes looks like. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> so often God will ask us to say yes without knowing what the full picture is. Because I heard someone say last week, um, well, they didn't say that. Uh, I'm saying a yes can be uncomfortable. What they said was, if everything is comfortable, comfortable what, is, what is our need for a comforter? So if life is comfortable, why do we need the Holy Spirit that is our comforter? Okay, and then it says, they forsook all and followed Jesus. There was no option B. <laughs> so often we want to follow Jesus with a backup plan. Simon didn't have a backup plan. He's like, I cannot. It was a big yes that, that Simon was giving because there was this massive catch. Imagine he gets back to the shore and his uncle and the, and the you know, grandfather and the cousin and was like, dude, do you realize how much this is going to be worth in money? This catch, this fish, we can all live happily ever after. And Simon goes, I'm walking away from it. So often, just as God is giving us that thing that we always thought we wanted to fulfill us, he asks us to lay it down. (laughs) Because it's so much more. He has so much more. And I'm not saying we can't enjoy things in life. I'm not saying that. (laughs) We must enjoy things in life. But you realize your eyes open to go, God being with you and walking with you is so much more than this massive catch that I thought I always wanted. Okay. And sometimes we need to be really sensitive to the advice and the people that are giving us advice um, because it can limit our yes. (laughs) In the counsel of many, wisdom is found. But sometimes people will go, just have a safe life. Don't take too many risks, you know. And that becomes our worldview, you know. And so we, we need to respond. We need to be wise. I'm not saying don't be wise. Be wise with your decisions. But be sensitive to the advice that you're be giving, being given and test it. Okay. So the third yes to follow Jesus was beyond his, capa- his ability or capacity or anything. I want to move on to part two. Um, Simon's given his yes, he's very confident, he's following Jesus. And then I want to go to Luke 22. Simon's yes gets tested. (laughs) And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. It's quite confident, eh? And then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. Peter's most probably thinking, Jesus, um, do you remember Luke 5, 11? Do you remember I forsook all to follow you? Um this is me. I'm here. This is it. Maybe the other disciples, you know, maybe they're not as strong as I am, but I'm not going to deny you. I'm going with you to the death. A little bit of spiritual pride maybe that comes out. You know, there's a, there's a confidence and reliance on self. Um, Peter is an A-type personality. He is a driver. He's outspoken. He's, you know, he's the people around us. He's, many of us can relate to that. Um, and, you know, and I think there's, 
there's just a, there's just a confidence that, that is almost being exposed, <laughs> um, which we'll get to later. Okay. Jesus then gets arrested in the garden of Gethsemane, and it's really not looking good for him, okay? What Peter's heard from the crowd, from, you know, the the grapevine, um, Peter's like, why did I tell him I'll go with him to the death, you know? You know those prayers that you're like, why did I do that? The worst prayer to pray is, Lord, humble me, okay? Because he will humble you. Dear Wolf, why are you laughing so much? Are you looking at someone... Okay. Is it? Okay. Help that student. Help that student. It's, it's not a bad prayer to pray. I've prayed it. God humbled me. But sometimes you're like, why did, I, why did I say that? Why did I pray that? And often those very daring prayers are great because they get tested, but they, when they come out to fulfillment, they are beautiful. They are pure. So then... They, they're taking Jesus away, and it says that Peter follows from a distance. And they get into, um, you know, everything that they're busy with, and this woman comes up, and, and she's like, you were with Jesus. And Peter's like, no, what are you talking about? That's not me. You know, the second time, you were with Jesus. You were with him. No. Third time, you were with Jesus. No. This very confident yes that came under pressure resulted in Peter turning to another option, which was fear. He was scared. His humanity was revealed. And then it says, immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Peter went out and wept bitterly. You can imagine this guilt and the shame, you know, this conviction. If he was convicted at God's provision on the boat, how much more was he convicted? (laughs) He was just like, Jesus, don't leave me. (laughs) Don't leave me in the state that I am. I failed you, you know. I realize I'm not as strong as I am. Can I repent? Can I? And Jesus gets taken away. And so now Peter's denied Jesus, and he's told of these things of he will raise from the dead. Uh, Mary and Martha went to the tomb. They come back, and they tell the disciples that he's raised. Everyone doesn't believe what they're saying, but Peter is the one that gets up and runs to the tomb, and he realizes the body's gone, and so he's like, it's true. <laughs> Jesus is who he says he is. He is risen. But we still have this awkward conversation, Jesus, that we need to have. What do you do? You know those moments where you're like, I've messed up, okay? What do I do do now? I realized that what I thought I could give wasn't as strong as as I thought it was, or or maybe actually I, I failed, you know? I wasn't able to do what I thought I was able to do, um... We go to John 21, and this is the third time that Jesus is is appearing to the disciples. And the funny thing is is that we know that Jesus prophesies over Peter um, before the the death and resurrection. He says, Peter, you will be, your name will be, yeah, that one, the rock. (laughs) And on you I will build my church. 
imagine this prophecy that God gives you, this vision, this thing that's massive, and then you deny Jesus. You're like, I'm not a rock. I'm pretty sloppy cheese at the moment, you know, or whatever, but I'm not that rock. (laughs) That's humbling. (laughs) It's really humbling. But John 21 says, and after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples of the sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, um, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of, the, of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, dudes, I don't know why I'm using the word dudes. I never use that word dudes. Um, friends, I'm going fishing. So the porpoise at the fan, things aren't great. Peter's going back to fishing. He's going back to the thing that he finds comfort in. Maybe there was something in Peter that's like, I'm going to prove myself somewhere else, you know. I'm going to, I want to just find some sort of confidence in, in something that I think I'm able to do. Don't you find so often that we, when, when things don't look, it's not going according to the plan, it's not going according to the timing, it's not going according to the direction, we resort back to the things that we find comfort. It's a subconscious thing almost. It's control, independence, fear. Um, the disciples say to him, we're going with you. (laughs) We're all depressed, okay? Um, We're going to go fish with you. And they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. If Jesus isn't in your boat, you're not going to catch anything. But when the morning had now come again, in the morning... (laughs) Jesus stood on the shore, and yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. They were unable to recognize him after walking with him for three years. And then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And so they cast, and now they were unable, they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. Does this scene look familiar? Sure, Peter's heart was like, there's a hope. You have not rejected me, Jesus. You have not forgotten me. Although my, ma- my yes wasn't as strong as I thought it was, you've come back. And therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. (laughs) Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. I can imagine Peter's heart is just like, it's just this overjoy of, I want to be with Jesus. His hunger drove him to do the things that no one else was willing to do and get out of the boat. The boat was a comfortable place. He was willing to not look at the people around him um, as to what they were doing. He got himself, he almost humiliated himself. He's just like, I'm going for Jesus. <laughs> he's here. He's, he's allowed me. He's given me a second chance. He, I want to be with him. I'm going to do whatever it takes to go after him. I'm going to say yes again. <laughs> and so often our yes requires us to move past the known. It requires that we go into unknown spaces without the answers. It requires that 
we have to respond in faith and in trust, but there's a hunger that drives us to be with Jesus more than there is comfort to have the things around us that provide a false sense of security. (laughs) And it's scary. It's scary when Jesus says, come, imagine, you're sitting in the boat and he says, come walk on the water, come to me. I'm sure a hundred things are going through his mind. Okay, this does not make sense right now. But he knows in his heart. And so often we confuse fear and a lack of peace around the will of God. There's often a big thing in front of us as a big opportunity. And we have so much fear around it that we like, it can't be from God. It's, it's, some, it, it's scary to say yes to God. And our yeses look different. Each one of our yeses look different. I want to tell you that. There's a, if there's a lack of peace, go and question whether it is the will of God. Because his word is always aligned to peace. It's aligned to truth. But just because something is scary or it stirs up fear within you doesn't mean that it's not um, from God. His heart responded before he thought about what he was doing. Okay. I don't know about you guys, but I often want to think through things before I respond. <laughs> I want to go, okay, step one. Got that one ticked. Whoop. Can do that. Step two. Just responding without the outcome or knowing what the answers are is, is not easy. But if you are responding in, in, uh, in following Jesus, it's a different story. Because he is the one that takes the responsibility for the pace and where you are going. Okay. I'm sure Peter, when he got to the, to the boat, he was like, Jesus, I'm now ready to be. Simon's like, I'm now ready to be that Peter that you spoke about. <laughs> I'm now ready <laughs> to, to respond, not out of my own strength, but, but because you have called me. And then in closing, um, John 21, 15 to 19, they've just had breakfast. Jesus prepared a nice little fireplace for them while they were on the boat. And while they were on the boat, on the land, he's got the wood going. They're eating breakfast. Jesus is so happy. He's like, I'm with Jesus. They've still not had that awkward conversation, but Jesus is at least back. You know, he's here. He must still love me. He must still, you know, have some sort of hope in me. And, um, and then he says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And what Jesus is actually doing is he's saying, he's going to that heart thing within Simon, where Simon was going, they might deny you, but I won't. <laughs> and so he's not exposing Simon's weakness. He's not exposing his failure that he denied Jesus. He's going, do you remember that time when I told you that you would deny me and what was your response? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. He said to him again, second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, 
do you love me? Can you just imagine Simon Peter's like, what more do I need to do to tell you that I love you? I'm here. I love you. But what often Jesus does is he creates scenarios so that we can see he's actually going back into our history to rewrite it. Three times Simon denied Jesus. Three times he's giving an opportunity to him to respond, to say, I love you. And so what Jesus does is he's in the heart of restoration, in the working of restoration. He goes into our past and he says, I'm going to give you back a hundredfold what was stolen. I'm going to show you areas that you tried in your own strength and it didn't come to pass, but I'm going to show you how I go in and I redeem and I go in and I restore. The next thing is we look at what is the issue. What's actually at stake is what's the issue in Simon's heart? Do you love? Do you love me? So the issue is actually love. And that first response in Luke, the first yes that's, that Simon Peter gives in Luke 5, 11 is, there's no other option. I can't carry on with life as it is. I'm saying yes because I want to be with you. Which is an authentic response. It's, it's what it was at the time. But Jesus is deepening Simon Peter's response. He's deepening the yes. It's the same yes, but it's a deeper yes. And so the first two times that Jesus asks him, do you love me? He's going, do you agape me? Do you unconditionally love me that you will be willing to lay down your life? And we know the scripture, but Simon Peter answers the first two times, I filios you, which is affectionate, warm, and tender, platonic love. It's a desire for friendship. That was what Simon Peter was able to give Jesus. And then Jesus says, I'm happy with your yes. I'm happy with what you can give me. And so the third time Simon Peter says to him, do you filios me? He lowers his standard. He goes, I love that you are responding with a yes. And so I will take whatever it is that you are willing to give me. And so what Jesus is doing, he's taking Simon Peter to the place of realizing that Simon, you've actually got nothing to give me. Your contribution, nothing that you have is going to make me love you more. Do you realize that your own strength, your own ability is not good enough for the yes? It's not good enough to make your yes become a glorious yes that is going to change nations and is going to be the rock. He's transforming. He's taking the ownership and the responsibility of the yes off Simon Peter and placing it on himself. He's saying, I love you unconditionally. If you say yes because I love you first, then it will be an unconditional yes because I will maintain that yes. And so God is setting Simon Peter up to succeed. (laughs) Deep stuff. (laughs) For me, I don't know, when I read these scriptures, I was just like, wow. (laughs) Because I grew up from the age of seven, I had to start taking responsibility. I was forgotten at school um, when I was seven after swimming, and after an hour of being sitting on the sideline and all my friends had been picked up and gone home, I realized if I don't do something now, nothing's going to happen. And so I took my bag and I stood up and I started walking. 
to my mom's office. It was only about three, four kilometers away. Praise God. Praise God. Nothing happened with me. But something in that moment was, I will take up responsibility. My mom's an amazing mom. She, it's, it's actually quite unlike her. But it's funny how the enemy will use certain situations to come in and, and bring a hardness, bring something upon you that you were never meant to carry. And so often in my life, when I want to say yes to something, I take the burden of it. <laughs> you know, I'm someone that I will take the responsibility. I will take the burden of make this, making this thing happen. And what God has been doing inside of me is he's saying, like a child, like a daughter, when I ask you to come, I just ask you to come. <laughs> I don't want you to have all the answers. I don't want you to want to know what all the answers are. I just want you to come. I want to take the responsibility. I want to take the ownership. Because ultimately, when we say yes, like Peter, it's going to be beyond our capacity. It's going to be beyond what we are able to handle. And we in our physical beings will not be able to continue with a joyful heart in saying yes if we have to maintain the things that we are saying yes for. And so Peter's trust has shifted from him, himself and his ability and strength for his love for Jesus to Jesus' love for him. And lastly, what is happening in the scripture is Jesus is giving Simon an opportunity to repent. Okay, To repent means to turn away, to rewire our thinking and to follow Jesus. And so what, what happens in our life is we say yes, we have this encounters, and we just like, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And then our yeses get tested, and we realize that our yes isn't actually as unconditional as we thought it was. You know, behavior patterns of our family, advice that we've been given, childhood experiences have tainted our yes. God, I actually don't really know you as the provider, so... I will say yes, but don't ask me to sell everything and follow you. <laughs> or my personality is risk averse. So Jesus, as long as it doesn't take too much risk, you know, I will say yes. And so what God does is he sets up situations in our life for us to have light bulb moments in realizing that, sure, there's something in my heart that is limiting my yes towards Jesus. But I am able to repent. I'm able to say, God, forgive me for the way I've been thinking around you or around myself in saying yes, because you have just shown me your love. Because often we can only repent when it's in response to God already showing us what he has given. He stretches out his hand first. He gives the love first. Just like that picture, which is fallen, you know, which is beautiful. <laughs> Should we lift it up? Or? But it's just that, it's that, that I am not able, you know, my history, my past, how can you use my yes? Is it going to be glorious to Jesus calling out and saying, come dance with me? <laughs> and so as we repent, as we renew our hearts, we are able to deepen our yes to Jesus. And I just re realized that God is wanting to release us and free us up to have our yes be a joyful yes, <laughs> to respond to him with a heart of thanksgiving because he has made the way. 
And I just, re- re- you know, I, um, I was even challenged recently is so often even relationally we limit other people with their yeses. I grew up without a dad. And so when I got married, to have this man, Stefan, that wants to be with me all the time, that loves being with me, that wants to go on adventures, you know, and is at home and is present and makes my life just so much more. With this church plant, I knew I would need to share him with others. And so he was unable to say yes to God, to the church plant, until I repented of my fear of abandonment and I released him to say, I release you. (laughs) I'm not going to hold on to you in this castle, drinking, sipping tea all the time, having you all to myself. And there was almost in the spirit a release for him to say yes because of my repentance. Okay. And so it says, and he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And the band can come up. It's interesting that following Jesus and Jesus and Simon Peter saying yes to God to his love, every time Jesus responded with, feed my sheep, tend my lamb. And so when we follow Jesus, it's not to set up this great comfortable life for ourselves and our platform and our provision. It's actually laying those things down and responding to a yes that is on his heart. And what is on his heart is the souls around us. It's the sheep, because they will be the only ones that will go into eternity with us. I just, I I realize that so often that yes, God just comes and gives us opportunity to purify what it looks like to follow him. And when, when when we respond to that yes, um, in following Jesus, you know, there's a, there's a place where he's like, be my hands, be my feet, feed my sheep. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that to each of you, the yes is going to be sell everything and go and be a missionary in China. If that is a word for someone, great, go and do it. There's nothing wrong with building an investment, buying a house, having a good job. But the yes is Jesus, your pace, your direction. I'm letting go of those reins of that horse that's rearing to go because I know I'm safe in this carriage because you are in it. I know that you are looking into the future and so I can be present with you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www dot shuffle dot jarbird